I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, a conversation with legendary NFL agent Lee Steinberg about representing some of the biggest stars. When you walk in to do an endorsement today, what they ask is, how many Twitter followers does the athlete have? How many Instagram followers? So they're looking almost as a currency the reach of everyone's uh, connections on the uh, social media. We'll have more of our interview with Lee Steinberg in a few minutes, but first, let's look at the top stories of the week. So let's start, it's your story, lacrosse, Long Island lacrosse team. I like the way we shared the intro there. That was Top good. of the week, and then like you it. came yeah. in, yeah, now I'm coming back. It's like, this is the know, way this show works. It's, it's like an orchestra. Synchronicity. Just once, could we just get right to the topics? No. <laughs> <laughs> Would that ever be possible? <laughs> He's so young. Millennial. No no patience. Listener, listeners out there, second. I got you. I'm trying. Yeah, every, every, everything's a 20-second <laughs> snippet with these kids. There's no warm-up. Come on. I tell you about the time I used to collect nickels. Rocky Marciano. Every time. Rocky Marciano. I, I now regret saying it. <laughs> that was the goal, to get you to stop doing that over again. What, what was my so, so what was Oh, it? the National Lacrosse yes. Team. Yeah. League, yeah. Moving to Long Island. You would think that the hotbed of lacrosse, Long Island, hello Garden City, hello Sachem, hello Huntington, hello Walt Whitman, hello Half Hollow Hills. You can tell that's where I'm from. Um, yeah, this makes perfect sense in a league that is looking to expand. Key here I like is the ownership group. If GF Sports, GF Sports Capital, Gary Furman, also including uh, the former CEO of Madison Square Garden, Hank Ratner, about live events. They own tennis tournaments, they own equestrian, they own some ninja stuff, like kids' ninja gym stuff. This is all about live events and entertainment. They have Longines stuff around the world, looking to do more. It doesn't have to be NFL these days. It doesn't just have to be the big four. There are There's money to be made in sports as live events in building management. Of course, BSE Global, that's Mikhail Prokhorov, owns Barclays Center, owns the Nassau Coliseum where the team will play. Uh, they're building something at NLL. There's something in lacrosse, but Evan, we've still yet to figure out all the leagues that are there now. <laughs> Paul Rabel's PLL, you have MLL. How's it all going to come together? How's it going to fit? Will there be a winner? But in this dawn of a new age of of narrow casting and OTT, there's something here. Yeah, and for for listeners out there, this is the indoor lacrosse league, the box lacrosse. This is not the one that that has two essentially rival competing leagues that will be launching next year. Um, this is the, correct me if I'm wrong, the same league Never. that San Diego expansion happened yes, with Joe, Joe Tai. Yeah. yeah. Um, so clearly the, uh, the, this is a league that is expanding, you know, it does not have the, the, Cronky the competing Sports and Entertainment, Pagula. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as you said, it's a, it's an entertainment play first and foremost, but you know, props to the NLL getting through that labor dis- disagreement that we talked about a couple weeks ago, yeah. uh, and now getting onto expansion. What NFL problem? Revenue continues to rise. Yeah, I love it. go ahead, Novi Williams. You're the one I was waiting. I was already gone when the number came out, what the salary cap was right. gonna gonna be. And in my head, knowing Novi Williams, no, I'm sorry, knowing <laughs> Novi underscore Williams as well as I do, I was counting down like three, two, one. I know Eben. He knows it's a percentage of total revenue to figure the cap. I'm like, he's gonna reverse engineer this. He'll be on Twitter within two minutes with what this means for total revenue for the NFL. And he did not. I'm proud to say, Eben Novi Williams did not disappoint. <laughs> Take it away, brother. Yeah, the NFL announced uh, this week that the salary cap was gonna be somewhere in the range of 187 to 191 million. Uh, obviously, a big bump up from last year. Um, within that, you know, that's that's 7.3 billion dollars that they're spending on players next year. 
Um, and for savvy listeners out there, you know that you know every CBA collective bargaining agreement, there is a percentage breakdown between owners and players. Uh, that percentage breakdown this year was 48.5% to players. If you do the quick math, that means the NFL is projecting uh, 2019 revenue to be over $15 billion. It'll be more than some, be there first. are certain things, by the way, that are excluded mm-hmm. from the sort of shared pool. Expansion fees. Expansion relocation fees. fees. Should they happen? Reload fees. Yeah. So the money being made or, or, or earned by owners a little higher than that. But, it, I mean, it's a good back of napkin way of doing it. And just so you know, Barr. Anytime there's math to be done in, in a story and anything, I just turn and say, hey, Evan, <laughs> you, you take care of this. I was going to say, labor ahead, Morris, he's got he's got to be like happy as all get up. I don't, I don't know if I would serve that. I mean, yes, he's, he's sharpening that, his sword. He's yeah, getting ready he's for war. Yeah, he's the number's yeah. going up. But again, I, the number that the number's good. It's always decimal points related. Yeah, that's usually what the, the main thing is. But the fights ahead in the NFL – will still have more to do with discipline and things like that. It's The players are not happy of, as Roger Goodell is, judge, jury, executioner. That's where the fight is. Um, do they fight for another percentage point, move that decimal? Maybe. There's, there's things they can put in there. The key is going to be after this TV deal expires. You know, Roger Goodell wanted $25 billion in, by, 25, by, by 2025. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to get there, he's, it's going to have to be a – 2x, 3x, whatever, 2x, 2.5x media deal. And right now we see no signs of the media dollars slowing down. We don't see it, but it's not there yet. You wonder, would they ever go early, Evan, to lock up some part of it just to like take we the saw money? Like baseball. Yeah, yeah. to, yeah, to prevent. Yeah. Yeah, that next next time we're with Brian Rolap or Roger Goodell, that's a question. Does anybody start to say, hey, let's why don't we extend with pick a partner Yeah, and, and, and then see? Can I, can I brag about something before we move on? You have so nobody's little to brag about. about. Go ahead. Yeah, this is, I, you, you're right. It's your this son, one, your son. I'm in, before we move on, I'm in three NFL oh. fantasy football leagues. Mm-hmm. Seasonal. Yeah. In all three, I'm in the semis for this weekend right here. What's the team name? Well, one is an assist from John because okay. my son, 14-year-old son, I had to phone it in to help draft this league. Uh, the other one is the Pocono 400. Uh. <laughs> you know why. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And this one, you're going to get this one over and over and over. That's because I had Marshawn Lynch on my team. Mm. It's time to get to this week's interview with Lee Steinberg. But first, we must say goodbye to Michael Barr. Bye, Michael. Well, okay. Bye, Michael. All right. Bye, Bye. Yeah, bye. bye Michael. I'm going. Bye, Michael. Right. Has to have the last word. I got to hear the cereal. Our guest this week, Lee Steinberg. My God, he has been an agent for a very long time. Some of the biggest names in the business. Everybody knows Steve Young, Warren Moon, still around with Patrick Mahomes. And speaking of yesteryear, Lee, I remember going to your Super Bowl party in New Orleans. That was the place to be. I think, you know what? I, have a, I wore suspenders and a tie. I remember that much. How much did that party symbolize what the representation business was all about? Um. The Super Bowl, if you will, is a convention of Americana, so that um, we happen to have the outcast as the uh, musical entertainment there, and they were the hottest band in America. So it was a mix of uh, players, former players, general managers, owners, but then political figures. I remember Tom Daschle, who was a Senate majority leader, was there, um, and... Uh, 
corporate CEOs. So it's always been a, a mix of big business, politics, sports, and then a lot of money going to charity. So we have done live hookups with the troops in the field in uh, Afghanistan or Iraq. We've uh, uh, sent a water machine to Haiti when they were having problems purifying water. So it's always, once again, in Atlanta, it'll follow the same theme. Now, what are the odds that you bring up Tom Daschle, Democrat, was the majority leader and minority leader in the U.S. Senate from South Dakota? Guess what, Lee? I, I dated his daughter, Kelly, for six years. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so, hello to the Dashiell well, family. I never saw him at your Super Bowl party, though. Oh, he came about three or four years. Uh, he came to that one, and uh, we should make this a better story. You should have met her at my Super Bowl party. Yeah, I'm sorry. I met her in Spanish class at Syracuse University. Not as fun. <laughs> not, not as good a story, but it would have been great at your Super Bowl party. But uh, overall... I mean, you've been doing this a long time. Has the business changed, or is it still the same old thing? No, it's changed dramatically. First of all, the economics have changed. So when I got started back in 1975, each team in the NFL made $2 million as their share of the national TV contract. Currently, it's $200 million. Teams cost $16.5 million. Seattle and Tampa Bay, when they came into the league, and now the Cowboys are valued at $5 billion. You have the whole development of the internet and social media, which dramatically offers potential for branding and also potential for controversy and scandal. You have stadia that have uh, luxury boxes and jumbo scoreboards and naming rights. And the athletes are of the younger generation. So they grow up on a big screen computers and sound flooding over them and Instagram and Snapchat and text and multitask. So if you want to make an impression, you better get it out in the first five minutes. And you, you mentioned the, the change of the Internet and specifically social media. There's certainly this narrative out there that, that because of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, individual athletes, their, their brands, they're able to capitalize that on that certainly more so than the past but it feels to me, and you know, you repped a lot of these guys back in in the '80s and the '90s. It seemed like there were more NFL stars back when you know it was Troy Aikman and Steve Young and Warren Moon than there are individual stars now. Well, that's true in a way because if you imagine the three of them were playing at the same time as Dan Marino and uh, John Elway um, and uh, the rest of it, so. Um, Football, if anything, has become more dominant. The TV ratings, for example, in the month of September, 15 of the top 30 shows were uh, nighttime NFL games. And this is, in some ways, the most popular season ever. Um, But uh, you're right. Uh, We're seeing the passing of an older guard uh, as Eli Mannings and Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees' are heading towards the end of their career, but they've reloaded really in a dynamic way. So um, our Patrick Mahomes or Jared Goff, uh, these uh, Carson Wentz, these players will sort of assume a larger role and, and they'll be branded uh, too. 
When you walk in to do an endorsement today, what they ask is, how many Twitter followers does the athlete have? How many Instagram followers? So they're looking almost as a currency, the reach of everyone's uh, connections on the uh, social media. What was that question back in the in the 80s and 90s? Obviously, no social media. What was kind of the, the starter question about trying to, to well, judge the reach? Evan, let's make sure Lee knows there's a bit of an age gap between us. <laughs> Lee, I remember, Evan does not, but <laughs> I remember when Dan Marino was hawking isotoner gloves. Yes, exactly. So there's a bit of a mm-hmm. difference between us. <laughs> I do so, not. But what's that conversation <laughs> like now? Um, the Well, let's say Patrick Mahomes. Here's the difference. So he mentions in an article that he, he puts ketchup on everything. Well, all of a sudden we have Heinz uh, coming back over the Internet, uh, sending a message about doing an endorsement with them. And then Omaha Steaks reads the same thing and they tell him they don't advise putting uh ketchup on a steak but uh, they'll send him all the steaks he wants and so and hunt ketchup got involved too right there was a kind of a war between uh, the ketchups oh, right and and hunt is involved and and we're not ready to announce yet but we but we're in talks to do a deal with one of those groups so social media um triggers this widespread uh, response and uh, many Monday, uh, Sunday nights or or Monday, depending on when the game is, Patrick Mahomes is the most searched for name or company on Google. So it's a different way of information being uh, transmitted, but um, so that the new television is uh, the Internet. We are chatting with Lee Steinberg, player agent. And Lee, Patrick is, as you said, maybe the most marketable and biggest star in the NFL, but he wasn't billed as that. Were you prepared? Was he prepared for what is to now be? So there's two ways to look at that. When he was coming out, people analogized him to a gunslinger and thought he'd just be a second or third rounder that he was undisciplined. It's mostly because of the offense he played in, but if they actually looked at him and the, his abilities and also his mental abilities uh, to be able to focus and his temperament, um, it was unclear. It was clear to us that he was a freak in terms of the ability to deliver the football. The surprising thing is that the adjustment from college to pro football is so intense that you expect that the first year of starting the player won't be able to read defenses the game will be too fast so he's going to line up over guard instead of center he's going to throw inappropriate interceptions call time at the wrong time get mixed up not read the field so the one surprising part was not that he got to where he got but it's how rapidly it happened so you don't expect someone in their first year starting after two games to have their jersey their worn jersey retired in the Hall of Fame because he threw 10 touchdown passes and no interception. And you you guys kind of worked together to, to slow play his endorsement approach, right? You, you turned down deals in his rookie year. Now you're in your second deal. Obviously, people are calling. You're kind of waiting until the offseason to make those decisions. Is that right? So we, we have done some some quiet deals, but the goal has been to keep him off billboards and television uh, in Kansas City and, and to allow 
his play on the field to develop so that he doesn't look ridiculous uh, like a Johnny Manziel with uh, 20 billboards in Cleveland and he's struggling on the field, and to allow him to prove to everyone he's serious about football. Um, as soon as the offseason hits, we've got a load of different deals ready for public airing, and uh, he's uh, uh, doing quite well. He's Give us a sense of what's how, how big are we talking in terms of the, the full portfolio? Oh, you know, mo- most of the deals would be in the $500,000 range. So if you start to imagine different product categories, automotive, um, clothing and apparel, uh, uh, you know, soft drinks, uh, we even have his own cereal uh, in development uh, ready to go. Got to have a catchy uh, name. All- yeah, what's the name? It's got to be a catchy name. Mahomes. <laughs> I don't know. Patty Flakes. Patty, Patty Flakes. Flakes. I All like right. that. All right. So I'm picturing 10 categories, roughly $5 million in the hopper in the offseason. Is that is that roughly um, right? So I think that um, – and the important thing here is not to overexpose um, so that you become sick of seeing him of so course. much. So, I mean – Peyton Manning's great and all that, but if I see another ad, it just doesn't resonate because he's on so many. Um, so we want to be careful. He's got a long career ahead of him, and um, players like Troy Aikman I worked with are still doing endorsements you know, 15, 20 years after they retired. So um, it'll all be quality um, companies that have a positive vision There'll be tie-ins to charity. Um, we're putting together a charitable foundation uh, for him uh, that'll help uh, kids at risk, uh, kids with all sorts of problems that'll operate in uh, Kansas City and back in Texas. Um, it'll be a handsome portfolio. Um, but look, he's—you know—he signed a contract with the $10 million signing bonus. It's not exactly like. He's hurting for uh, cash. Yeah, he's, he's not He's not in the need, so you can take your time. We're chatting with Lee Steinberg. Lee, this is going to be a very simple question, and I don't know how many agents, if at all, do advise their clients, especially NFL, because they're all covered up. And it does help to know and see and who they are. It's a reason why the NBA players are such global icons. I can see them. I know them. I recognize them. Do you tell any of your clients, and let's say Pat's a perfect example, when you go off the field and when it's allowed, take off your helmet. The camera will find you. Let America see your face. We have that discussion. However, I will tell you that in the heat of the game, uh, the last thing they're worried about is <clears throat> their appearance on the sideline. So um, the key to a franchise quarterback is the ability to focus, adopt a quiet mind, tune out everything extraneous. So he's into the game. However, I stopped at the uh, airport as I flew out of Los Angeles and Patrick's picture is above the fold uh, of the front page headline of USA Today and then it's it's half the front page of the cover and his face is also on the cover of Sports Illustrated and his face is also on the cover of ESPN, the magazine. So uh, I think that there are other ways <laughs> for him to achieve that branding. But what you say is funny. I once had Phil Knight at lunch, and I said, Phil, how come you don't do um, all the football 
stars in the same manner that you handsomely compensate the NBAs. He said, well, first of all, if you sold 30,000 pairs of cleated shoes and 100 million pairs of of tennis sneakers, (laughs) Sneakers, where would you put your budget? And the second thing he said was just what you pointed out, that in basketball you can see the player's whole body, their face constantly, so it, it creates more intimacy. We are chatting with Lee Steinberg. And Lee, at the start of this conversation, you sort of mentioned where sports business and where franchises and leagues were as compared to where they are now. Do you find that the athletes, even the young kids, are cognizant of the size of the business that these teams, that these leagues, that these media deals, that they know how big a business it is and that that they want their piece of the pie? I carefully explain when I meet with the new client all the economics and the growth in the Internet, the growth in the marriage between e-games and, uh, and sponsors, the, the astronomical television contracts, the stadium revenue, the memorabilia. And one thing I make clear to them is that this is the entertainment business. It's not, uh, it's not bread and butter on the table. So if you don't have any interest in graciously signing autographs, if you don't have an interest in being open with uh, the journalists, uh, if you're not willing to play your part in this, then go play on the sandlot. No one will ask you for anything. You uh, can just enjoy the game at its purest. Of course, you won't be paid. So I try to make them cognizant of the fact that this is a major entertainment business, that the fan is the ultimate employer, and that they need to do their part to keep the sport, both in terms of behavior and in terms of attitude, do their part in keeping that bond with uh, the fans because you're asking them to pay money to sit in a stadium and you're asking them to watch television. You're asking them to buy memorabilia. Then if you take that next step, what the popularity affords them the opportunity to do. The adage was, you know, athletes wanted to be rock stars and rock stars want to be athletes. Now what I'm seeing is athletes that want to be tech investors. They want to be venture capitalists. How do you wrap your arm around that? And how do you convey to your clients that they too can have an entree to this world if they put the time in and if it's, if it's what they want to do? So we asked them to go back to the high school, set up a scholarship fund, keep roots there. At the college level, the alums at a number of different schools primarily relate to it through the uh, football or basketball program. So we asked them to endow a scholarship or do something to bond with them. Well, that leads to, uh, and, and finally at the pro level, doing a charitable foundation. So you have a player on the 49ers, and you ask him, uh, can you think of any businesses uh, pro- uh, proximate to Santa Clara that might be good for second career? Well, venture capital, high tech. So it's not by chance that Brent Jones, the retired tight end that I represented, put together a several billion dollar uh, hedge fund um, that Steve Young has uh, bought and sold a variety of companies uh, in that sphere. That So we use the off-season First of all, teach the athletes how to network so they can walk up in a room at a banquet to that businessman who might be in high tech, who might be in an interesting industry, 
focus on him, ask him for his card, put a Rolodex together. And so this is how Bruce Smith, the retired defensive end, owns the um, part of the of the Mandalay Oriental Hotel in Washington, D.C. This is I actually have two players who became minority owners of NFL teams. Uh, Deron Cherry owned part of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Ray Childers currently owns part of the Houston Texans. So the yeah, they understand concept- there's rich and there's wealthy. I mean, I think players yeah. today understand the difference between rich and wealthy, and wealthy is the ability to own a team. So my point is we're pointing them all towards uh, leadership, that they can run businesses. Um, Earl Campbell, who I work with, uh, has a meat packing company that is uh, can't pack the meat fast enough. That happened because University of Texas alums took them under their wing. So the bright athlete who understands the power of the college and pro community, who understands networking, um, has his brand, and then he has an entree to be a leader in business. And my ultimate goal is is the players as owners so that they um, get to the point where um, instead of being the employee, they're the owner. And... uh, Daron Cherry, who plays in Kansas City, owns the Anheuser-Busch distributorship there. Uh, and then that that's what led um, the Jacksonville Jaguar owner to be interested. So we're consciously pushing players towards enhanced roles so that the retirement just goes straight on to an exciting second career. To be able to do that, obviously, you need to be smart with your money when you're making it as a player. Um, are, are players starting to think about that earlier now that, than they may have been 20 years ago? I mean, well, when you think about maybe not Patrick well, Mahomes, who's making a lot of money, but instead, you know, a, a client of yours who might not be making as much, how much are they starting to think about? Are you forcing them to think about saving for life when, when that paycheck isn't coming in as steadily? The first fortunate thing is that at college campuses across the country, they're moving towards lifetime education experiences. So the athletes at many, many schools are getting financial advice while they're still on the campus. Then we make sure that they hook up with the right uh, financial planners so that they understand um, the concept that they will not be earning this amount of money. They can't project it into the future, uh, that this may be one seven-year experience and then they have to transition somewhere else. So they're they're surrounded by people, and our athletes are so afraid of the horror stories they've read about the past that they uh, get good financial planners. They learn how to budget. They learn how to do all sorts of things. Our goal with our athletes is to um, have them um, live, if we can, off the endorsement income and uh, save all the money that they actually make in the sport. How I mean, I've, I've heard the, the horror stories as well. In your estimation, what percentage of, of NFL players are, you know, just blowing through their money? Who, how many are not being financially responsible? So when they come off the college campus, there are all sorts of people that can help them select financial planners um, or agents, including compliance on a college uh, campus, the players that come from 
strong families, where there's due diligence in the selection process, those players end up being incredibly well healed over time. The players that don't afford themselves with any screening when they come off, those are the ones who get in trouble. And they get in trouble, number one, because it takes a village, so they feel like they're the support of, of not just family, but extended family and extended friendships and all the rest, or really horrific investments, which doesn't happen as often anymore. Divorce is one of the leading causes for athletic bankruptcy. Um, so if you've, uh, so the answer to your question is, there are probably 25% athletes who are not um, following what we consider prudent advice, but the vast majority of them are. And um, there's no real excuse for any athlete who's a top draft pick or a starter in their profession not to walk out of the game with lifetime security. So, so tell me, we we got to wrap it up here, Lee. How long until we see Pat's smiling face on a ketchup jar? <laughs> I think it will happen this offseason. All right, perfect. Lee Steinberg, thank you very much for taking the time. My pleasure. Takeaways, Eben, just how much the business has changed. It's really fun to talk to somebody like Lee who has been doing this for such a long time. What did he say? Revenue for these teams, or what? What, what was it? The yeah, two, two, four the share million has gone dollars. from two million to two hundred. Two hundred yeah. plus million. They're getting that in like L.A. or uh, Oakland ex- or relocation fee alone this year. It's unbelievable to have a guy who can tell you what the business was then, and all that's gone on, and then how the business has changed for him and the teams and the athletes now. Yeah. Uh, two takeaways for me. One, uh, the fact that you once wore suspenders and a tie. I, I, uh, have I think a that's picture. fantastic. I have a picture, and the, I think I have a picture. Bob Bench and I were there. Former Scott will put that on his Bob Twitter Bench. account. I, I, well, I have to find it. I have to <laughs> if find, you can find it. it. Yeah. Uh, but but from Lee, um, obviously no surprise, but Patrick Mahomes is in for uh, a large, hefty endorsement payday. It Patty sounds Flakes. like Patty they've deliberately kind of slow, slow rolled it when he was a rookie last year and wasn't playing. They had offers. He stayed away. Uh, now, at the end of his second season, when he is a bona fide NFL superstar, we're going to see, as Lee said, a number of these $500,000 deals coming in. Uh, I can't wait for the Patty I Flakes. thought that was small. Did you think 500000 was small? He's in Kansas City. I, he's a, a second-year player. Yeah, but it's a national star. Yes, I would imagine some of, some of these deals yeah, will, be, will be worth like, more like than that. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right, let's look at our number of the week. Eben Williams, we discussed it, so it's not a guessing game this week. 53,002. Would you have gotten it? Perhaps. I think you might have gotten it. Maybe. Uh, yeah, this is the average attendance across uh, the entire season for, for the MLS uh, Hello, Don team Garber. in Atlanta. Uh, we had you know we had the owner, uh, Arthur Blank, on the podcast a couple, uh, couple months ago. They just won the MLS Cup final. Uh, 56,000 to average over a season is, uh, is a big number. Yeah, but this is the first time a U.S.-based team has cracked the top 20 of average attendance in global soccer in like 20 years. You look up top, you have Borussia Dortmund, 80,000. Barcelona, 76,000. Bayern, 75,000. Man U, Real, Inter. These are huge global brand names sharing the spotlight. Atlanta United, above Liverpool, above Newcastle. 
right below Olympique Marseille. That's fantastic. And we've talked about this before, but in the United States, if you look at total tickets sold, obviously they're beating out you know all the NHL and and NBA teams. Obviously, a smaller stadium. They also sold more tickets than the Miami Marlins this year. I think that is amazing. Arthur said it's more fun than the football. It's more fun than the football. There, it's more fun. This is the model for MLS moving forward, and I'm sure Don Garber would hope that all the other new teams that are going to come and join the league are coming in with this kind of following. You have been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. You can catch the show Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I'm Eben Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. Thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business world. I'm going to try to do my best bar closing. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast where available.